0: guess
1: so. Mic check. One
0: two one
1: two. Sounds right. good. Repair babble. We're back at the half circle. Yeah we are. And what are we gonna do today? I don't know. Well I think we should
0: we're gonna babble about something.
1: I think it should be something.
2: This is us still deciding what the topic's gonna be as we're recording.
1: This well, is what
2: always happens.
1: Maybe it'll be a Halloween episode.
2: Either way, it's I don't know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not, maybe it's November or something when this is on.
1: Well, Going let's out. let's take a vote of vote here. If you had to choose a séance or Satan, which one would you take?
0: Well, Satan doesn't actually exist, so I'd
2: choose uh, a séance.
1: My goodness! So
2: we're doing séance.
1: I guess we're doing séance.
2: Or we could just do both.
1: We could we could combine this oh, and make it a will. power block.
0: A power block.
1: Power hour. Back to back episodes. That's what
2: it's going to be for us.
1: Well, that's what we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, let's do seances. Okay. This is a pretty easy start to Parabababble. I guess so. Welcome to see you. Nice over there, Rob.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Allie.
0: How's it going?
1: It's going good.
0: All right. Well, good, Jeff. Thanks. Do you think we're going
1: to do a live seance here at the studio? Uh, probably not. No.
0: Um, I don't know how fun that would be for people to listen to.
1: Or the people that live here.
0: Well, yeah. At that the too. studio. That too. That could be a little bit uncomfortable. You know, um, we are talking about the holiday season, though, because it is upon us.
1: I love how you call it the holiday season. Because
0: <laughs> it is. It's this so is,
1: warming. It's
0: my favorite holiday.
1: Right. Christmas um, doesn't exist.
0: <laughs> Christmas, schmishmish.
1: I know. It's just a couple presents. Christmas. It's
0: all, it's all about Halloween. Um, but, you know, uh, I think we should let our listeners know about the interesting conversation we had before we started this episode tonight. Which one? And we should open up a debate about whether or not we are still paranormal investigators. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) So Rob says we're not. Jeff, what's your...
1: Um, I say we are.
0: You say we are. So this time of the year, we tend to always get somebody reaching out or multiple people reaching out about wanting investigations. The holiday seasons. The holiday season. That's how we know it started. Um, and we got a recent contact from someone who wants us to come and investigate their house. Awesomeness. And for those of you that don't know, we do have a paranormal investigation group, prone. Rob is shaking his head no. But it's been in existence since, check this out, people, 1999? 99. Really? Yeah. 1999? Yeah. We didn't um officially start until... 2000 and something. But, yeah. Um, I'm saying it's 1999 because that's when I first started investigating. And I feel like everybody gets to say whatever they want when it comes to this stuff, right? Were you,
1: were you dreaming when you wrote this down? No.
0: Oh. No, I wasn't dreaming. 1999? Yeah, I know. Okay, Rob so was 1999. Like, Rob was like 10 years old. 10, but yeah, 10 or 11. Was I was 12. 12. I was in my 20s. So... um. You know, formally, we, we developed a group later on, and we've been investigating for a number of years together, and we haven't done an, an active investigation in a bit. So what do you guys think is the criteria to still be able to call yourself a paranormal investigator? If it's historic, you know, within the last couple of years, does that still count, or do you have to be actively investigating on a regular basis?
2: I think you have to investigate, and we haven't in, in, like, three years. Okay, but
0: year? two of those years you have to discount because right. of COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 2020 was not a good year for anybody to investigate, and 2021 is still
2: questionable. But at the same time, I feel like if we went out there and just, like, did an investigation, it's like, you're an investigator again. Because I don't
1: think it's something we would necessarily forget. Because why? Because it's all the same shit. No. <laughs> It's like getting on a bike in a sense. Mm -hmm. And we all here have the knowledge and the history and understanding of it versus, you know, maybe someone new where you wouldn't have that. But you could go five years down the road and like, oh, okay, let's dust off the equipment. Let's go here. We're ready to go. We know what to look for. And we rock.
0: And we rock and we roll. Right. So... A big part of why we're having this discussion is because now we have an opportunity to go and do an investigation at a a private residence, and we were just even thinking about something as simple as the equipment, and none of us really know how much that has necessarily changed or not changed in the last couple of years, because I feel like the same stuff is always the same stuff. I've kept up. Oh, right. Rob I've, is kept up, even actually, though he's not a paranormal investigator right. anymore.
2: Actually, I, every once in a while, I'll go on, like, the big stores. And I did as recently, like, as maybe last month. It's the same shit. Same shit that's before.
0: It just has different colored, like, buttons on it now? They were all
2: multicolored before, so it's the same same thing.
0: So there's been no new equipment that we know it's, of...
2: It's just, like, like as far as, like, cameras and stuff go, obviously things get better, because you got 4K. And, right. And whereas when we started, there was no such thing as that. Right. But other than that, it's the same kind of methods, the same kind of stuff, just the newer models, basically.
1: Well, yeah, you. I'm sure there's people out there who are tweaking it and figuring out. Mm-hmm. And technology, like in any technology, it's always advancing. you know, always find a different way to get to you know the other side of that bridge. But as far as ghost hunting per se and what you run into in these buildings and houses and stuff. It's all the same, because if there was something out there that was groundbreaking in the last couple years, it'd be everywhere.
0: So is it possible, like, I don't know, can we get an infrared camera now? Yeah. Have they come down in price from the four to $500 they used to be?
2: I don't think they're that much.
0: Because if we're really going to get into this again, there are certain things that I think I would want. And certain things I know I definitely don't want anymore.
1: What don't you want? I
0: am not carrying around oh, an EMF detector or a K2 meter.
1: But didn't we towards like this little pause, weren't we um standing as a group going, we're gonna go old school. We're gonna bring in our a pad, pen, yep. a recorder, the Hans and a flashlight. Invitational,
2: remember? Yes, right. the Hans Holzer
0: invitational. We're
1: gonna strip it down of the gear because let's face it, back all back 30, 40 years ago, they didn't have that type of stuff. They had a recorder, flashlight, and their willingness to to move around and just have what they have.
2: See, they got a new hack shack. It's just more money. See, they got this thing with all these fancy-ass lights. uh, More stuff to confuse you? Yeah. You know? Oh, this... Oh, this... I was going to actually tell you guys about this. Uh Uh-oh. So this... this, Because this is very entertaining to me. This has been around a while, but they have the microsoft connect camera which yeah. uses the connect system uh-huh. nice. or like the microsoft gaming system bullshit it is yeah i thought it was real i saw it on tv yeah i know right yeah i see ghosts move all the time way back when this first came out like for like real use like for games and mm-hmm. stuff i bought one it could even track me how the hell is this thing picking up a
1: ghost <laughs> well it's technology right we've come a long way
2: magic they don't make them anymore though
1: well, how can I see them on certain consoles? Oh, ghost like, shows? like
2: Microsoft, there's like no new models. Microsoft doesn't make the connect anymore. Oh. So it's the same bolt? like of from... like the laser grid? Yeah. Mm hmm. The Phasm Light.
0: Remember we used to have
2: those? I never had one.
0: Oh, I had one.
2: That would drive the president Chupacabra crazy.
0: Yeah, I know. But this was like a whole entire grid. remember it was like along a whole entire wall.
2: Oh, there's a compact portal.
1: It comes with a portal. Oh,
2: it's like a little purse with a bunch of
1: little fancy. Oh, wires. yeah, oh my yeah, God, yeah. I can't.
0: Like, that's the thing. I don't want a spirit box. I don't want any of that stuff. If I can't, like, if it's not. It doesn't if I can't function, get a ghost
1: on my own, <laughs> no one's going to get one. Well, it's like if
0: it doesn't function in some way that makes sense to me, I don't want to use it. I mean, I feel like gone are the days of gimmicky, hokey pieces of equipment. Equipment, I use that term loosely. Well, yeah. You know, I don't want to use trigger objects that light up and...
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You mean like the REM pods and the-
0: Yeah, like, I don't know. What's out there that we could actually use that's like meaningful and worthwhile and can produce evidence?
1: A recorder. Cameras. <laughs> A camera. All
0: right, so basically everything we already have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we could take out the spirit boxes and stuff like that and just keep it low-tech um, wherever you guys or we go into, and they say, oh, well, this spot, we have a lot of activity over here, and I hear this. You put a camera up. Okay, we can do that. Super. The rest, you walk around your recorder and ask them questions, taking notes, and then you kind of roll from there. I mean, I think
0: the Hack Shack is okay still, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a low-tech tool. Yeah. That's different than, like, the spirit box.
1: Yeah.
2: Same idea. I mean,
1: all this, yeah, technology. Well, we're going to go down this technology road, but... We don't really have to.
2: Well, it's Cranky the same concept,
0: but a Hack easy. Shack is, you know, the size of a slice of bread, and these spirit boxes are, like, huge with all this, like, decoration on it. I mean, what is the difference? I don't...
1: I don't think we've... We haven't missed much. You could probably come back ten years later and still kind of be in the same same ballpark that you were, the, you know, previously. So, to worry about that and changing and how much we've missed nothing i think spirits are still out there obviously we hear it from people every day
0: so we're talking about equipment and low-tech stuff and using a pad and a pen and a you know camera and whatnot but you know that really kind of leads into what our topic is for tonight too spooky stuff seance 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 involves nothing Of technology.
1: Mm -mm. Energy.
0: And just energy and just very simple spirit communication. So why are we doing this episode about seance?
2: Because it's cool. Because we've had a lot of experiences. Because somebody asked me what a seance was and I was like, how do you not know what a seance is? Because
0: your wife asked (laughs) you that. Which I think is hilarious. That she's been married to a a ghost hunter slash paranormal author slash podcast host. Slash.
1: Wow, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of that's slashes. A lot of, yeah, I a lot know. Of
2: slashes.
0: But that's like you know that you are all those things, and you've experienced seances before. Many times, because I had to tell her. <laughs> to her
1: shock, <laughs> possibly slightly scared. And then what you? What was? What was her reaction? She's like, "What?" Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't even get into the details of like, yeah, I saw this guy's face change. <laughs> I didn't even get into any of that stuff.
1: So or the, like, or the. you guys do that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so what did you tell her? Just the basics. I, I don't know. Just like that's where you go, you get together with like a, usually someone really chupacabras in here. He's going to choke in a second too because he's drinking too fast. Um, you just, you know, you get together and like someone channels the energy, usually a medium, and they try to channel the spirits right. in several different ways. There's and other... you
1: get some really crazy reactions. You get some crazy answers. You get some crazy feels. You get noises on the outside of it. I mean, that's that's really in-tuning... In-tuning? In-tuning your energy? Tuning your energy into, like, one idea. Which, I'll say I was totally skeptical when I came into this group about that. Yeah, but along the way, I've learned to accept... But there are things that we just can't tap into that we don't have any idea what's going on on the other side, in a sense, you know, unless we're brought to it. How's that? We're brought to it, and then you're like, you know, we've had some crazy table tipping.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of my notes was, like, is, I guess, table tipping a form of sands, I think, probably.
1: Yep. And that's the easiest, well, I don't say that's the easiest way to get into it, but...
0: It's not the way most people first get into it. Right. Ouija boards are the way most people first get into it.
1: Damn, Parker Brothers.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep.
1: Did we all play with Ouija boards when we were younger? Yeah. I, um, never, I
2: never touched one, actually.
1: Oh. Huh. Imagine that. Hmm. Never? Never. Never came in contact as a, just a fun thing to do? No. Believe it or not. I never owned one, but my cousin did, and we used to play with that all the time. But what what happens when you start playing with the Ouija boards? What's the f- one of the first things? You
2: summon demons. Well, you, <laughs> you start have to think... You open portals to hell in your basement? Well, yeah. Well, everyone's got one of those anyway.
1: <laughs> um, I think uh, you have to question the people that are playing with you, because you never think it's real. You all, all have your hands together and trying to move the... Uh, What's it called? Planchette. 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 And then we're like, you didn't do that. Yes, you did. No, you did And then you argue. And meanwhile, you got Lucifer coming through your basement because you're arguing over who was moving the, you know, the planchette around. So, where do we go from there?
0: Well, there's lots of places you can go. Okay. (laughs) Seance (laughs) encompasses many different types of techniques, many different kinds of tools.
1: But to the general public, a lot of people know about the Ouija boards.
0: Yeah, I think that's the easiest in... way to like explain it because it kind of is the same principle. You're sitting with people, you're putting your energy together, you're right. trying to contact spirit. You know, that's the way that most people understand it. Seance in the paranormal world tends to be a little more organized and a little more intense. And in the spiritual realm of like the spiritualist community that uses it as more of like a service, it's even more intricate and serious. So we
1: can go a couple levels here.
0: Yeah. You know, seance has been around for a really, really, really long time. People have been sitting in vigils, sitting in seance. I don't, I don't know how long, but it's been a long time. And it had a heyday in this country. Um, you know, like around the time of the Fox sisters Mm -hmm. and the traveling seance shows that were going on and the cabinets and the slates and all of those kinds of things that were happening right around the same time that spirit photography became really big. um, Displays of physical mediumship. It's like that whole thing. People were paying money to come and sit in auditoriums and see what would happen. So it became kind of, you know like a show, and less about really trying to communicate with the other side and more about selling tickets. So I think that kind of forced it underground in a lot of ways and made it not so popular through the public anymore, which a lot of people will say then started like a revitalization of that, you know, in probably like the 70s and 80s. Quietly. Yeah, I think every... Every generation finds its own footing when it comes to stuff like this, you know, it's like a new discovery. And then, you know, you see a resurgence of it for a little while and then it kind of goes away again. Or it might
1: come back up in a different name or title or something that still has its roots in the basic startup of what it is and using that energy to do that. But there's so many different, like you said, there's different levels now. Yeah, As before, it was just, hey, let's sit down and see if we can contact Brother Joe, you know, passed on. You know, and then as something at, well, like anything, it gets popular. Mm -hmm. There's going to be critics and criticism, especially in a, I don't say paranormal world, but in a world that you have to, you you have to, uh, seeing is believing. And this, you know, the critics like, well, you can't prove you know, that you're talking to somebody or you've reached out on this level and that's them communicating back, which opens up another door because you don't know what you're grabbing onto right. when you start to open this up.
0: Well, and when all the people started to be, when it started to be discovered that they were being fraudulent and producing sounds and things, then, you know, it took a lot of the credibility right. away right out the window. of like the actual legitimate people that we're having results happen. So I feel like that's something we always face in right. this field, right? You're always going to have your critics and people that say it's crap. Um, but is it a useful tool when you're investigating and is there merit to it?
1: That's a tough one. Right. You can get interesting information brought to you or brought to light, but is it the right information from the right spirit from the other spot, other side, is it just hogwash or are you actually tapped into, you know, there, if this is in a well-known place and you get information that backs up the data, that could be something really useful. But again, you, you still have to walk that fine line. I think of, you know, grain of salt let's see what it puts together. And like I said earlier, off air, we're talking about going like the distance, like when you, you can find a place that you can study, you know. And I think a seance would be really interesting in that case because you could do it, say you, say you investigate a place for five years and you go in there once a month. Every time you went that once a month, you put the seance and you put all that documentation together and see if it leads you anywhere. And if it does lead you into the corners that you never knew about that place, then there's there might be some, you know, legit to this. But if you go in there for five years and have nothing, right, and it doesn't even touch the history, you could be, you're dabbling in whatever.
0: Well, we were part of a seance group that was meeting regularly once a month for a while out of a local place in our area here in Western New York. You know, and, and just to kind of put it in perspective, so there's lots of different ways that these can be conducted, you know, lots of different styles. But for us, when we were doing this, Uh, We had a set group of sitters, so the people sitting at the table are typically sitters. You have a medium that opens and closes the session. And you have to have somebody that you trust, just like Jeff said, because you want to make sure that their impressions are legitimate. uh, And that sometimes that's hard to know. But, you know, you're basically sitting and you're concentrating on what the questions are that are being asked. And you're opening yourself up to let the energy flow through the group, which is why you sit in a circle, because circles have no end. Um, And, you know, everybody kind of puts their collective energy into those questions that are being asked and to try to make contact to get a response. So kinds of things that can happen during those sessions, mediums can channel, so they can bring a spirit through and channel the spirit. They can um, go into trance, which is not necessarily the same as channeling, but could also be channeling. But sometimes just being in that trance state allows them to have a heightened sense to their mediumship. They can use items like candles uh, for yes-no responses. The flames of the candles can be watched. They can do automatic writing. So mediums, again, if they're channeling... They might have a pen and a pad next to them and just let it flow and whatever is coming through is coming through and they're writing that down. They can be automatic drawing. They can use slates, which really are not used anymore because they've been debunked so many times as being not legit, but um, that is a tool that was used. Trumpets. So the trumpets lifting up off the table, disembodied voices, or things being transfigured. So coming through the trumpet, that has been something that's been documented, that they've asked for an object and the object has actually come through the trumpet and been there for everyone to see. There was an instance that I heard about this with a matchbox, you know, like a box of matches. There are talking boards that can be used. There are pendulums that people can use. There's scrying techniques, um, lots of different things.
1: So, do you think, <clears throat> with all these different um, ways to try to accomplish some signs from the other side, do you think all the new ways are trying to debunk the old ways? Like, like you said, of a candle. All right. Well, uh, candles could can be this or that. Let's try a trumpet, or let's try, you know, the tablets. Do you think these are all processes of people thinking, well this is a load you could do this, this, this and debunk it so you bring in a new a new idea and you keep um, evolution kind of speak, you know, going with it
0: Well, the trumpets, the slates those kinds of things really like are like Victorian era seance tools Okay So, I don't think that there's really many mediums that use them so much anymore, I mean, I know of a few, but I don't think that's common practice for people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it's really up to what the medium feels comfortable with as their mode of communication is what you're going to have be the main mode during the seance. You know, some mediums are more comfortable channeling or being automatic writers or, you know, whatever their forte is, whatever they're comfortable with, that's typically what they're going to use. So... You know, I think the most famous examples of seance is obviously trying to communicate with Houdini. Right. I mean, there was a seance every year after his death for many years. There was code words that his wife knew that they would try to bring through. Um, you know, so for when people don't know what a seance is, that's a pretty solid example. Uh. The Haunted Mansion at Disney is not a solid example of...
1: Oh. <laughs> it's not? Rob, you told me Disembodied heads
0: floating That's around. That's <laughs> Jumpets playing. Mm.
2: <laughs> Got to rethink all of this stuff. You know, you'll learn it all over again.
1: No.
0: I mean, I think for people that do it and use it as what it's intended for, they do take it seriously. And it's a lot harder now to fake the kinds of things that were seen, you know, at the turn of the century and...
1: It's harder to fake. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, there's cameras now that can catch every little thing. There's, you know,
1: night night vision. There's
0: all kinds of things that weren't used because seance is typically done in the dark.
2: I always wonder, like, we were going back on this. I'm just, like, writing down all the different forms of seance that I've seen. I'm like, probably all a bunch of crap, isn't it? (laughs) Because even, like, here we go. Even Are you like skeptical? A little bit. I was thinking about some of the things like the the face. What is it, the face change? Transfiguration. Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like remembering when we saw that, and it was definitely weird, but it was dark, and there was just a red light on the guy's face. So I was like, why does it have to be like that?
0: So the red light, we know this for ghost hunting, right? That that's one of the only mm-hmm. lights that don't ruin your night vision. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's, like, some kind of other process that happens with your eye in, like, your, yeah. I don't know, like, your iris, your retina. When you see the red light, it doesn't... Like, is he trying to trick
2: us with lighting?
0: No. I think the red light is pretty, pretty typical, and I can see why it would be used. But when you're staring at something long enough and people are calling out things are you then matrixing because mm-hmm. you're trying to see right. what other people are calling out? Yeah. Because that is a definite piece. When you're going and you're watching someone do transfiguration, basically what happens is they go into trance, they're bringing spirits through, and as spirits are coming through, their facial features are transforming so that you can see you Different. know, what looks like the spirit coming through, what their facial features would be. But I have always noticed that when you see this, people are always encouraged to tell, to yell out what they're seeing. So if someone says, oh, you know, his eyebrows are changing, then of course you're going to focus on the eyebrows and you're going to be looking for something to change. Oh, he has a beard now. Um, You know, that kind of stuff is strange, especially because we've been there.
1: You're setting up your own.
0: But we've seen it also. I mean, the person right. that did it that we saw the example of had no facial hair. He was completely bald. And to see facial hair coming in was definitely weird. Because really what they're saying is that they're projecting like a ectoplasm in front of their face. Right. So their face is not actually changing. It's the veil that's in front of them that is changing and morphing. That's creating what you're seeing. As the people are coming through. So it's a really crazy thing. Uh, I tried to find some examples online as we were discussing this. And surprisingly, I couldn't really find anything. Because you feel like that would be something that somebody's recorded at some point.
1: Yeah, but do you think that's more of an old school technique that people don't really use too much anymore?
0: Well, it definitely is not common. Right. But it's also because it takes a very high level of you know, connection and training to be able to do that. Like, you know, not every medium can just sit down and...
1: Right, transfigure.
0: Right, and tell you, like, all about this, this, and the other thing. You know, there's varying levels to people's abilities. And it's not really a very easy thing to do. But you were there, Rob. You saw it, and now you think
2: it's crap? It's like a trick of the light.
1: You think that red light after a while it yeah, starts to like, play havoc? does
2: something to your eyes.
1: Kind of yeah. like when you sit in a pitch black room, which we've done, and looked out into a hallway that had very low lighting, your eyes start to matrix things. Or, like, I'm not going to say it's crap, but we're in a building, um, well, we can say it, Iron Island, and we're sitting in the, the uh, church one, the church room, and we're looking out into the hall, and the room we're in was pitch black, and there was hallway just low light but people started seeing heads poking around the corner of the the, the frame of the wall now we've all been in the dark before we all blink our eyes and we're trying to like you see dark dark spots and your eyes are trying to focus could it be something like that with the red light just you know your eyes are just so in tune of trying to find something and you're staring at one object
2: well with the transfiguration it's like even more narrow down, you're looking at one specific person's face with the red light focused right on it and everything else is dark.
1: So it's like Right. You kinda right you, you kinda get that um mm-hmm. you know, that view.
0: And why are people encouraged to yell things out? I think if anything, it would be more credible if people wrote down the things yeah. that they saw.
1: Absolutely. And then at the
0: end of the session you could compare to see if people have the same impressions. But that is a part of that particular service that you do say when you see changes occurring. Um, it's also typical for the medium's voice to change, accents to come through. So those speak things tend languages. to happen. yep, speak different languages. So we've, so you've talked about the, a little bit about the transfiguration that you've been through. What other forms of seance have you been through that now you think are crap?
2: All of them.) <laughs>
1: So you've just totally lost everything.
2: Yeah. See, I told you, I've been away from things too much. I've become <laughs> jaded in my old age. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just look, i was looking into it. Like, you know, a lot of the famous, most famous ones, like the Fox sisters, like they're admitted they were fake. And so many things can be like, you know, the cheesecloth lady, the Duncan lady with the cheesecloth.
0: But you know why the Fox sisters admitted it was fake and why they started faking things?
2: Because it was fake.
0: Because they needed to make money. Mm-hmm. They were living a lifestyle that they got accustomed to. One of them had an alcohol problem.
2: That's the other thing I wrote here. It's like that's the difference between seances and most like ghost hunting and investigating. Besides, like it being different things in general. It's it's for profit. And you got to buy tickets to the sands. Right. You know. It's like
0: what's. But you didn't hmm. initially. Like, I think that the Fox sisters. I don't know if anybody really knows. I mean, I know that one of them has admitted now that things were fraudulent. But in the initial story of that, I mean, you're talking about two young girls. That how would they even have known? I mean, this was like really early on. It started
2: the whole spiritualist movement Mm -hmm. in this country. And that's the thing. If that's what started it and it's a bunch of crap, then... How can anything else after that be taken seriously? That's what I had a hard time with.
1: True, but that okay. So if it was true, and this is like maybe they did catch on to they they had some credible thing going there, they could make money off of this, but a lot of times and I'm, I'm gonna, uh, a lot of times people will do it for greed and fame.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But there are a lot of people out there who are genuine in what they do. And when they come up with stuff that may pertain to someone or whatever, and you do pay a service or a fee, they're spot on. And you know that. They know that. But, again, you're well, it's at the, the beginning pressure. of time.
0: It's the pressure, too. The pressure to perform. I mean, spirits don't perform on command. We all right. know that. right. And if you are known at some point to be able to communicate in this way and your livelihood is dependent on you selling tickets, it has to be bigger and better every single time. And you have to be on and you can't have an off night. You know, everyone that would ruin the reputation, everybody would want their money back. You'd be done.
1: So So I can
0: understand it.
1: So that could drive someone that started out honestly. Yes. To maybe take some shortcuts and have a little um, smoke and mirrors, so to speak, go on, but still have a little bit of truth to it. But you, but what you're saying is basically every night or whenever you do this, they have to, they have to perform because people are paying for it now. They expect it. Mm-hmm. It can't be, oh, hey, we just paid, you know, whatever, 50 bucks a ticket and tonight was a bus because the spirits didn't want to work. So, you know, that will hurt your name. And obviously people will be like, either you're a fraud or whatever. And then, you know, your true gift that you had starting out as, you know, little Susie on the farm is now just a big mess. Right. It's no longer part of what it started out as.
0: I mean, and they had nothing.
1: Right. The Fox
0: sisters had nothing. They lived in a little tiny one room shack, basically, Mm -hmm. that was their whole family. And, you know, I mean, I can understand it. I'm not saying it's right by any means. I mean, I think that's why a lot of times when you see, like, displays publicly for stuff like that now, it'll say, like, for entertainment purposes only. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, because you can't expect that you're going to go in and have, like, full-blown spirit contact every single time. Yep. So, you're saying that it's all crap.
2: That's what I'm leaning towards,
0: yeah. So, even the table tipping is crap.
2: You know, that's that's the tough part. like Because that in, in, in is most, Sam. Yeah, in most cases, maybe, but... I mean, if I hadn't seen you do it, I'd be like, yeah. Because anybody else, I have a, a reason to not believe, you know. I could call them out and be like, yeah, they're probably faking it. But I know you wouldn't.
1: So you it's know? just trust in somebody else that you know.
2: I guess so.
0: I think what what lends the credibility for the table tipping for me is that you would have to coordinate with everybody else at that table to know exactly what that table is going to do. Mm-hmm. And when you have strangers sitting at that table that you've never met before and you can still have that table do various things... That to me says that that's the energy and it's not the people
1: can we back up one second sure table tipping Mm -hmm. if you had to explain that to somebody how would you explain it to me because table tipping you don't hear that often I never heard about it until I met you guys so so
0: table tipping is another technique that is from that same like Victorian era time okay it's another form of spirit communication so it starts in the same way as seance does you're basically sitting in vigil so you're sitting at a table I mean, the table can be, you know, as big as you want it to be, but typically it's, you know, four to six people. Right. um, And everybody's sitting down with their hands on the table. There is usually a person that starts the session. It doesn't always have to be a medium. Um, But they have to know what they're doing. So you have to open the session. You have to, you know, close the session properly. But there's two people that work together. One is usually considered a battery for the person that's running the session so you would have two people sitting at the table that would know each other but then you could have two to four more people that don't know anyone and you sit in rotation so the battery usually sits across from the person who's right. operating the session and then the other sitters would be on either side and you start the session in the same way you would start a seance you are trying to communicate with spirit you're asking for signs You're asking for wrappings, tappings, you know, anything that could be conceived as perceived as communication. If you are able and fortunate enough to make communication happen with spirits, tables have been known to do pretty crazy things. They can spin. Right. They can jostle around a room. They can go up on one or two legs. Um... And the main thing is that people have to keep at least fingertips on the table because you need the contact for the energy. Right. So that sounds crazy. It's even more crazy when you see a table balancing on one leg and everybody has a fingertip on the table. It's stuff like that that is hard to say that there's something else going on besides what's actually going on. So So in order for that table to spin or to move left or right, or to jostle around or to jump, people would have to know what you're expecting that table to do.
1: Right, and the other, like, I know probably a lot of, like I said, a lot of people didn't know what that was. Um, The believability, if you're sitting in a crowd watching this, you're probably like, this is a bunch of crap. Um, I myself have walked through them shoes. And until you get to that table, there's two things that entered my mind is a, your, your hands are on the table just placed on there. They're not pressing down super hard. You're not keep, you know, just your hands are on the table. When that table starts to rock, you're going where it's going to go. The other thing is people say, well, you can push it with your hands. Well, that means you'd have to push your weight of your hands down on that table, which would stop it from moving. And when, like you said, when it gets rocking to like one leg or the other and it's hopping back and forth and your hands are just barely touching them table, that table, that you really have to question what's going on because you have four to six other people that are there with you. Right. And the ones that are just joining in, they don't have a clue what's going on, but you also, in that light, you know, they start to look at you and go, oh, well, that's because that person and this person are together. And we've done experiments where we've changed out people. And gotten the same results. So that's a little bit about table tipping. I didn't mean to interrupt. But.
0: No, no, it's fine. And I think, you know, when the, the vibration of the table first starts, I think that's the time when people could be like, all right, I don't, I don't think there's really something to this. Because, you know, it is kind of like a weird feeling when you first feel it start to move. Mm-hmm. It almost like vibrates. But you have a good point because when a table is literally hopping up and down, which we've seen. Or it dives across a room and you're running to keep your hands on it. Those are kinds of things that unless there was a coordinated effort,
1: mm-hmm. how would you? Hey, look, these six paranormal investigators all got on this table together and everybody watched. Synchronized table tipping. Right. Synchronized table tipping. <laughs> and it,
0: you know, cornered somebody into a corner, flipped on its side, right. got back up, ran to the other corner, and then spun right. around so fast everybody fell off of it.
1: And that's happened too.
2: Yeah. I know that's what I'm saying. 360s. Like, it's a lot to think about. It's crazy. I guess the one thing that bugs me is like we can get get it to do those crazy things, but then how come the energy can't be channeled into like other things? Like how come we can't get it to like manifest a voice to say something that we can probably hear or things like that? But it could throw a table across the room.
1: But wouldn't that be an EVP? In a sense. Sometimes. Because we we go into speaking and whatever energy's in that room, we end up pulling it through and we go back and listen and we've asked the question and there's an answer. So in that sense, but maybe the process of um, doing table tipping is, you know, you're going to get that answer because that's the particular uh, way you're doing it.
0: Well, in any kind of physical mediumship that's going to manifest You're not going to hear disembodied voices because if you think about it, everybody is giving their energy to that particular object. You know, you can't give your energy to a ghost to try to make a ghost talk, but you can give your energy to allow that ghost energy to connect to what you're trying to move. It's an easier manipulation, you know, than, than speech would be. But Jeff's kind of right. I mean, you do get that. You get EVPs. And if that was happening, especially if you're asking a question, you're getting a direct answer, you kind of are feeding that energy.
2: I just, I guess, it's just, I feel like that energy, I don't know, I don't know, know, I'm not a ghost. How much energy (laughs) would it take to do an EVP? Compared to, I'm going to throw this table across the room. Well, it's the same.
0: I get what you're saying. But like, think about hauntings that we know of. Mm -hmm. How much easier is it to throw a book off a shelf or close a cabinet or bang a door or make a sound than it is for a ghost to say, hey, I'm over here. Right. Hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm over here. I'm doing this. I mean, it's a typical thing for hauntings that are legit, that those are the kinds of activity that you see and you hear about, you know, coins dropping from places. I don't know, doors opening and closing.
1: It's using energy. So I I think it's just how we facilitate the energy.
0: Well, and if you're trying to get somebody's attention, maybe that's the best way. And it is a short burst of energy you know, if I'm gonna move this, I'm gonna put my energy into it. I'm gonna move that. Is very different than Jeff. Right. I'm here. <laughs>
1: well, we. But the question, pay attention to me. <laughs> you know the
0: qu- stop. Stop scrolling Instagram and pay attention to me. <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> it's not in your phone. <laughs> you you ask the same questions you would in a table tipping as you would in an EVP who's here, who we, you know, you know, we're trying to figure out this. I mean, the questions, the question, the energy level, I would say the energy level t- table tipping would be 90% better because everyone at that table is focused on one thing, unless, you know, you get into people who are blocks and whatever, but that's a whole nother topic. Coolers. Yeah, another coolers. Um, they your energy level. I think on table tipping is a lot higher than someone walking into a room, just asking a question, you know, because you're concentrating on one thing. You might be open one night and you ask an EVP. I might walk in a different night and be like, you know, same thing, same scenario. And it's just like, nah, but then is your energy open? I mean, how much are you putting out? Does the spirit want to communicate? I I know that's part of the, the equation, but in table tipping, I would think you, I think it'd be easier for them to answer. Uh, if, if this is you, move the table, you know, to the right. And then the table starts to move to the right. But you're using everybody's energy. It's just not Rob relying on his ability that night to do that.
0: Did either of you ever run a session? What? A table Was tipping you? session? Like, as that a person? Mm-hmm.
1: No, I didn't. Did you ever do it? I'm on the fence. If it would have been, it would have been um, down at the library. Because there was one night, we had a hot night that we were using a table. that was like three feet round and three legs or something or four legs. And this thing was, was rocking and we just kept going and going and going. I don't remember if I was actually running it. I know I was a battery a couple times that night. And we had some people with us.
0: You've been a battery before.
1: Yeah. I mean like nights you like came off that table I told you the one my hands were frozen they were cold it was like and that's the energy pouring through so I've never I don't think I've uh, uh, ran it before
0: I was just curious because I feel like it's kind of a different perspective too when you're like asking for that communication to happen you know and then knowing like what to ask next and where the session is going and what you're trying to get to and You know, all of those types of things. So transfiguration is crap. (laughs) Traditional seance is crap.
1: Parker brothers.
0: Table tipping might be crap. What else is there anything else that we missed?
2: Um is it all of them? Ouija boards? We already covered that kinda. Uh I think that's it, right? Automatic rating. Yeah, but Which you, is like traditional sounds.
1: Yeah, but you've walked away scratching your head before. Yeah. So it, it, it can't be total crap.
2: No, it's just been too long.
1: Oh, so you're using... i okay, okay. You're, you're the old you're, man now. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we really can't judge it.
0: <laughs> so the next investigation we're going to do, you're going to run a table tipping session so we can see how you do.
2: That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. The table would sit there and not move.
0: Well, sometimes it does that no matter yeah. who's t- who's sitting right. at the table. I
1: mean, we could, you know, for people listening who've never gone through this, we're sitting at a table. We could sit down at this table right now and just go. I mean, it's it's that simple if you're your energy and you have a little understanding of what you're trying to do. So it's not like some special, you know, made up thing where you have to go through all these steps and Rob's got his hands on the table seeing it's vibrating. Um, anyone can do this. Right. But, right, what's the but
0: there's some guidelines. I mean, so the thing is, is that anytime you're trying to communicate with spirit, whether you're running an EVP session, whether you're doing table tipping, whether you're doing seance, no matter what you're doing, there's always that element of wanting to make sure that you are asking for the highest and the good for communication purposes. You don't want anything negative coming through. And I know like everybody's gonna be like, well, that's why I don't use Ouija boards because they're demon portals. No, they're not. (laughs) They're not. (laughs) Seance does not bring demons through. Table tipping does not bring demons through. Ouija boards don't bring demons through. The thing is, is that spirit on the other side is the same as it is here. Sometimes people are nice and happy and joyful, and sometimes people are jerks. So anytime you are opening yourself up for communication, you're taking the risk of allowing an energy to come into your space. You work with your guides to make sure that there's a gatekeeper there, a bouncer, a bodyguard, whatever you want to say, to kind of pre-screen that energy coming through so that right. you don't have something bad trying to come from the other side. So you have to have some experience in working with your guides and doing that in order to do this responsibly. And the other thing is to make sure that you close the session so that nothing is lingering everything is put back in its place.
1: Do you think, as many times as we've done this or you've done this, do you think we've actually um, nailed it? Where we've we've gotten in... (laughs) Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Case closed. Um, Where who we were speaking to was the actual person, per se, into the historic end of it and that building or that home. Are we... Or are we just, you know, we're we're guessing? It's like throwing a dart at a dartboard. You know, you just.
0: So I think there's been two times that I can definitely say that I feel like we were communicating with a particular energy. Rob is shaking his head. Yes. I know one you're gonna, I know
2: at least one of them that you're gonna say. So
0: which one? Or which one? The Lackawanna. Yep. That was a pretty crazy experience. So we were using the table for the alphabet. Asking the table to, you know, basically stop on a, a letter. And as we were going through, it spelt a person's name that we did not know, who happened to be the mom of somebody who had passed away in the room. That was pretty telling. Yes. Because none of us knew who that person was. Um, the other time that I feel like we really hit a nerve was at Van Horn when we were. Um, upstairs we were table tipping we were asking some questions that got a little pointed about the circumstances about somebody who had gone missing from that house and i don't know if you remember that the table basically lunged across the room and hit a chair that actually folded itself up Uh, we actually have that on video that entire session
1: was that with the the naysayer there in the crowd Was I, I don't know if I was with you at this point. I don't think so. We had one of the, we had like, people were up, we were up in the attic doing it. And then there was a gentleman and his kids came out and his wife came out. Yeah. He's like, this is bullshit. And he left. It might've been, okay. So I probably wasn't there for that. Yeah.
0: This was like a private investigation. I think it was just us there. I don't think there was anybody else. I don't remember. But we were asking some pretty intense questions about some of the stuff that had gone on with one of the people at the house. And the table got kind of violent, and literally like lunged across the room. So, I mean, I feel like you know, there's been lots of other instances when we've had the table do kind of the same things. But you know, not line up with try the to corner maybe. you. You know, yeah, come down right in front of you in a kind of a threatening way.
1: I thought but... the one down in Pennsylvania we went to that uh, what was that this was an old uh, um, home. A home, like a, a rest home for seniors that had the church in there and stuff. And we were upstairs the night that Mike came out of the corner of the room and scared, scared oh, the crap out of me. Was that Hillview? Hillview. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were at Hillview. Uh, we were down by one of those up by one of the surgical rooms or something up there with the mm-hmm. old ch- style checkered floors and the curtain up there. Yep, I remember that. And now. <clears throat> we went up there, and that thing was just rocking. And like you said, it didn't, it, it was doing what it you know, responding to the questions, but it, we didn't have any other end to means on there. We didn't know the story or we didn't have anything there to validate what is, if these answers were correct or not. We just knew it was responding. And a lot of times that does just happen. You know, you ask the questions, you're going to get the responses. But in certain cases, if you have enough history built around it and you are truly talking to who you believe you're talking to, you can really put a lot and connect a lot of those dots.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've done it on public hunts where we've just asked random people to come and sit right. at the table and then switched it up like every time different people, different, you know, sets of energy. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can see that from an outside perspective, you'd be like, yeah, this isn't this isn't anything. But I mean, I think if you're there for the point of trying to communicate with spirit, like why not use every tool that you possibly can? And just because it's not like, you know, quantitative data that you can, you know, print out on a sheet Mm -hmm. and give to somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's useless. You know, I think we do get answers to questions sometimes that are like, oh, we don't know,
1: but yeah, you just document it. And if you come back to it
0: and sometimes it's kind of nice to go old school and go low tech and not have, you know, all these cameras set up everywhere and. You know, you're asking the same EVP session over and over and over again. You know, I just saw somebody post a TikTok video today about how we have to stop asking ghosts if they know they're dead.
2: <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done that.
0: We <laughs> haven't, but I mean, we've been on enough public hunts where we have seen the same five questions get asked over and over
2: again. What is your
1: name? How did you die? <laughs> so, if I know we got a few minutes left. Our producer just told us. Um, what is some of the bullshit that what could, what bad could happen out of this? So say someone listens to the show and they're like, Oh, I want to try this. What are some of the potential bad things? If you don't follow guidelines, what, what, what do you think people would call it out and say it's crap?
0: I mean, I think anytime you're dealing with trying to communicate, you have to be conscious of what you're doing. So, I mean, you could, if you're inexperienced, you could have some kind of negative energy kind of try to come through. You know, I always look at it like there's a waiting room on the other side and everybody's been like waiting forever and <laughs> they just want to get through. So you need a buffer there to kind of pick and choose. Like, it's like the bouncer at a club. Like Beetlejuice. You look cool, you don't. <laughs> you know, you look a little scary. You, look, you don't look intimidating, you know, come on through, kind of a thing. Like, right. you need that buffer. So if you don't have that, potentially you could invite negative energy in which could lead to increased activity you know not good positive vibes
1: or just annoyances
0: attachments
1: things rattling in your house walls pounding just because they want to be a nuisance because they might have been a nuisance before they died yeah
0: it's the same thing if you don't close the session properly you leave the channel open so things can just randomly pop in and you don't want that either
1: okay so are we available for uh for Chances. seance?
0: Sure. If somebody really wants to learn how to do it, I think the best advice is to reach out to a local medium that you trust. Um, if you don't have one of those, you can reach out to any kind of metaphysical or paranormal shop in your area. They usually have somebody that they can suggest or that, that you can work with and learn the basics of how to start and stop sessions. Because once you learn that, you can do any right. kind of seance, any kind of spirit communication. Can they
1: reach out to Parababble?
0: Sure, absolutely. Or prone. Sure. That'd be our group. Yeah. We would definitely help teach people how to consecrate things for the purpose of spirit communication. And it'd be fun. Yeah, why not? Isn't it supposed to We're be fun? We're all about sharing, right? Sharing is caring. Sharing is, sharing.
1: Sharing is caring. <laughs> well, so you think we covered everything on... It's <laughs> great, great. topic. Yeah. I don't
0: know,
2: Rob. Did we did we run the gamut of seance? I think so. I think we just got to get out there and try some of these things out for ourselves again. Wow. Seance. Now you just
1: like downsold us on that. No, we're pretty good at this.
0: Seance comes from seance. the French word seance? session. Oh, okay. <laughs> True so you open and close the sessions.
1: Because you don't close it, it's hanging out.
0: Yep. Then you really gotta call us.
1: Really like, oh yeah, didn't you guys say I want your cat? <laughs> uh you could reach us at Parababble anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? We good? Alright, I guess this Parababble session is gonna sign up.
0: Have fun, good luck, stay See safe.
1: See ya.